CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Royally Us. I'm your host, Christina Garibaldi, and this week, the palace hires a diversity officer after Meghan Markle's racist claims. And Prince Charles takes the lead in the palace's response. Plus, the Sunday Times conducts an intimate portrait of Prince William. Find out what we learned. As always, I'm joined by Molly Holshine, the host of the Diva Behavior podcast. And this week, we invite dialogue expert Dr. David Camped, who reveals how the royal family can use strategic dialogue techniques to heal their relationship. Welcome to another week of a ton of royal news. <laughs> So much news, slightly less dramatic than the last couple weeks, at least. Slightly. I feel like we're slowly like working down the ladder. Well, let's get to our Royal Roundup and kick it off with Queen Elizabeth, who is reportedly planning on hiring a diversity officer after Meghan Markle's allegations of racism within the royal family. So what do we know about this position? And it seems like it is the first step in the right direction. Yeah, it definitely is something that they've never had before Mm -hmm. in the royal family or any of the royal households. The thing that I'm confused about is it seems like a lot of the racism accusations are aimed more at the family itself. And this diversity officer would be dealing with like the HR side. Mm -hmm. So from what we heard in the interview, it kind of seems like those are two separate things. So it would be interesting to know how that's going to dovetail or not. That is, yeah, that is true. Like if the queen is going to be sitting in on HR meetings and seeing right. what's going to happen, because I mean, it starts from the top and kind of works its way down. So hopefully, like we said, it is a step and we'll see how it kind of plays out, but at least they're taking some initiative and some actions to, you know, kind of learn and, you know, maybe realize what Megan was going through during this time. So who knows? All right. Well, speaking of the queen, she teamed up with uh, Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall to thank volunteers from the Royal Voluntary Service. Take a look. You managed to find time between your, your studying and, and volunteering. That's, that's an interesting one, uh, mom. Organizing my daily schedule around research, family, part-time working and, uh, and volunteering requires a bit of juggling. It was nice to see the Queen and Camilla teaming up together. <laughs> I know. I don't think I've ever seen that before. If they've no. done it before, I didn't know about it. So <laughs> I love how they exchanged uh, very nice pleasantries at the beginning of the video. They're like, hello, Camilla. Hello, Queen. <laughs> so that was very funny. Yeah, just like our Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, volunteer work in the UK during the pandemic has been so important. I think they had almost 13 million people volunteering during this time. So it was definitely nice that they took some time and gave a a nice thank you to them. Yeah, they. it's nice that they did that. And these volunteers are doing everything from bringing books to people who aren't able to lose their to leave their house 
to even giving vaccines. There's a volunteer service for giving vaccines. So they're really just touching everything. And yeah, it's great that they got some appreciation. Definitely. All right. Well, moving on to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. They also welcomed a growing and diverse group of experts to their Archville Foundation team after making their royal exit permanent in February. So they are definitely you know, ramping up Archwell and we got some big powerhouse names kind of on board. Yeah, what a list. So they've got um, a former Apple corporate communications manager, Christine Shermer. She is going to be their head of communications. She used to work at Apple and Pinterest. They've got Toya Holness, who used to lead communications at the New York City Department of Education. They've got a female-led diverse team known as Invisible Hand, which is based in New York City and led by Genevieve Roth. So they're going to be helping out as well. And then they've got Ben Browning, who is behind HBO's I Know This Much Is True and the new film Promising Young Woman, he's going to be their head of content. So he's going to be touching the Netflix and Spotify deals. So, I mean, that sounds really impressive to me. <laughs> right. They are on their way and they are not slowing down anytime soon. So yes, they have a great group of people behind them. And, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, are excited to see what content they're going to create. Right. And it's great that they're kind of pulling someone out of just a pure showbiz background to run the content side, mm. because I think we're all a little bit nervous that if the content is too service oriented, it might not be the most fun to watch. Right, exactly. <laughs> might fall a little flat. <laughs> yeah. So it's good. They're get, they have such a mix of people from like private and public sector, it seems, in yeah. the, this group of hires. So it's totally. Cool. I'm excited. All right. Well, Prince Harry also revealed that he is still struggling with the death of his mother in an emotional letter to bereaved children to be used as the forward for a picture book titled Hospital by the Hill. Now, the goal of this book is to help young people understand and cope with loss amid the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, I mean, this is something that you never get over. So, I mean, it's so heartbreaking to read the words that he said. You know, he said he still feels after all these years a hole in his heart after his mother passed. It was so sad and it made it so real just to think of him as a young kid because we've all seen him, but he you know, he hasn't really fully opened up about it. And something that really stood out to me was that he said at the time, I didn't want to believe it or accept it. And that just felt so like real and visceral. And mm -hmm. it's just so sad. It is so sad. But you know, it's, it is good that he talks about it. and he said that too, you know, it is good that you, you know, you talk about it and you talk about your feelings. And that's very important. So, oh, so heartbreaking. All right. Well, in an intimate portrait of Prince William from the Sunday Times, it was, it is revealed how Diana's legacy lives on in William, how his marriage has evolved over the past 10 years and how he feels his strained relationship with Harry. So, you know, this was a lot of, uh, I think, friends came forward, sources came forward. Prince William did not speak, but um, they pretty much go very in-depth into this. Yeah, it was a real deep dive. It went all the way back to his days as an air ambulance pilot, which I found it really interesting that he apparently had to push back at the palace in order to be able to do that role because he just didn't want to be like go straight into royal duties. He wanted to sort of work for a living first, which I think is really interesting. And he doesn't want to be a ribbon cutting royal. That was the phrase that they used. Yeah. So that was really interesting too. It was interesting. It was interesting to me how they said that his stance on the media has shifted too, because obviously we know that they hated the media for so long because of you know what happened with Diana, but now he almost sees it as a way that I guess he can play the media a little bit, which is what Harry kind of echoed in his interview with, uh, with, uh, in his tell all interview with CBS. Yeah. It was kind of interesting that they would 
kind of reinforce what Harry said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. wouldn't have expected that. I, I would have thought that they would have maybe said, you know, he, he doesn't try to play the media, that kind of thing. So right. yeah, that was an interesting, interesting thing to learn. Yeah. And they said, you know, how he and Kate's relationship has just gotten stronger and stronger over the years. They've been married for, you know, 10 years almost. And, you know, they're, Still just as much in love, like newlywed bliss. Yeah, that was really nice to read too. Totally. All right. Well, William took some time this past week to also speak to some aid workers in Syria. Take a look. Thank you so much for um, supporting the DEC and giving us your time. It's really highly appreciated. Not at all, not at all. Where are you calling from, Sally? Where are you? Um, So I'm actually in sunny West Bromwich, just north of Birmingham. Very nice. No, well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course. You're a Villa fan. Yeah, very much so, yeah. Just racking up those Zoom calls. <laughs> I know. He's really doing great on with the Zoom. <laughs> he is, yeah. So, yeah. So, he gave thanks to people in Syria and kind of recognizing how they are coping with the coronavirus as well and um, the donations that have been made. So, while Prince Philip, Philip is on the men, Queen Elizabeth has two new friends occupying her time, her new corgis, and we have their names, Fergus and Mick. I love this. Really cute names. She only had one corgi left because people might remember that she had two and then one of them passed away right after the holidays. So, and these two new ones, Fergus and Mick, they have very significant names for Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, so they have some family family names and some uh, names tied to Balmoral as well, right? Yeah, so Fergus is named after the Queen's late maternal uncle, Fergus Bowes Lyon. He was a World War I hero. Mm-hmm. And Mick is a nod to one of her favorite places on Balmoral. It's, um, it's the name of a lake, a loch. Scotland. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm sure that uh, brings some, some joy during this time as well. Yeah, it'll be good to have that, especially in the springtime. You can walk them and everything, mm-hmm. not have to worry about the cold. It's great. Totally, totally. All right, well, now it is time to spill the royalty, and we are hearing that it was Prince Charles rather than Queen Elizabeth who took charge in responding to Meghan and pra- Prince Harry's scandalous interview. So, th- I mean, is this surprising to you? Kind of, just yeah. because I thought the the statement was so stiff and kind of cold. I wouldn't think that it would have been the statement of a father to a son. I would have thought it would have been, you know, sort of handled by the palace workers and mm-hmm. like with the queen's input. And we know that she doesn't really like to show any emotion in public. So that's what I thought. I don't know. What did you think? I was kind of surprised about it too. Yeah. I'm, but on the other hand, maybe not because Harry said that their relationship has been so strange for so long that I feel like when Charles saw this interview, he was probably really angry about it. And, you know, maybe he's just kind of on the defense. And this is kind of what we talk about coming up in our interview with Dr. Dr. Camped about how, you know, they should be talking about this privately rather than putting it in the public. But I don't know. It does. It, I don't know. You can see it both ways, I guess. Definitely. I guess Messy. he probably wanted to put in as little detail as possible yeah. so that it wouldn't turn into a whole nother press fiasco, Nightmare. which of course it still did anyway. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yes. All right. Well, many have been comparing and we have two uh, on our show in the recent weeks, Harry and Meghan's interview to Diana's panorama interview, but more details are emerging about how Diana's interview was conducted over to see. And, you know, there's a whole investigation going on about this, about Martin Bashir, how he kind of coerced Diana or tricked Diana into doing this interview. 
Yeah, it, this new piece in Tatler by the journalist Mark Hollingsworth sort of explains how this wasn't really the same thing as Meghan and Harry giving an interview to a trusted friend. It was actually pretty much completely different. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. He, they like pretty much lied to her to get her to do this. And that's why this investigation is still going on. Um, but yeah, so it's, it, even though they were both bombshell interviews, they went about it the, the wrong way. I mean, Megan and Harry felt comfortable with their interviewer. They knew her and uh, it was easy for them to kind of open up about this while Diana was just kind of tricked into getting into the chair. <laughs> yeah, and she just didn't really have anyone around her who was kind of guiding her and telling her the right way to handle this. So yeah. it's, yeah, it was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, throughout her life as a royal, Diana obviously made countless headlines. And recently, Lori Anderson confirmed that Diana once thanked her ex-husband, Burt Reynolds, for granting her reprieve when they announced their divorce. I thought this was kind of funny, saying like, thank you for getting a divorce because you took the spotlight away from me. <laughs> yeah, so she apparently went on Watch What Happens Live with mm -hmm. Andy Cohen, and Andy Cohen asked her if the rumor was true. So she wrote, I guess Diana wrote a thank you card saying... <laughs> Thanks for getting me off the front page, which I just think, you know, you always hear about her sense of humor. Um, mm. And this is, I think, a great example of that. Well, it is time to break down the royal rules. And this week, we are excited to welcome Dr. David Camp. He is a dialogue expert, and he's going to tell us how the royal family should approach their conversations in order to heal their rift. Take a look. We're excited to get this new perspective on the Harry and Meghan's interview and how it affects his relationships going forward and what they can do to heal those relationships going forward. But before we get to all that, what were your overall thoughts of the interview when you watched? I thought it was so sad, but healthy yeah. that they came forward to the public to say, here's our side. I thought there was a fair amount of compassion in their point of view. I thought there was a lot of honesty and I thought there was some uh, missed opportunities in the whole situation, but I ultimately think that it's very important that people see that um, <clears throat> issues of race are still around and families have difficulty talking about them, even families of high prestige and celebrity. And so it's, it's a kind of um, ugly airing, but a useful airing because we all need to deal with these issues more effectively. Definitely. Did it feel to you that Harry and Meghan try to have these conversations with the royal family before kind of making this public? Or do you think that this was kind of a surprise to the royal family? Yeah, I think that he, he, here's the missed opportunity, uh, mm -hmm. uh, for example. I think that um, whoever said the comment yeah. about uh, Archie's skin color, um, I think that <clears throat> there should have been some conversation at that point about what did you mean by that? Because let's face it, any family that has uh, an offspring that comes from people of diff very different hues, there's going to be conversations about what's the baby going to look like. I mean, let, 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 us, let us not act like simply raising that question is something you shouldn't do. Every family does that, right? Now, I'm not saying that it, there wasn't a difficult racial tinge to it. There probably was, but we don't know that. And it's, and it's one of the things that happens now is that sometimes people – um, people who are anti-racist are so vehemently anti-racist that they don't take at the possibility of good faith somebody saying something that has to do with racial issues. So you combine, so, so, so I think we need to separate out asking that question, raising the issue, and the this, this child's not going to have this, uh, protection as a royal. Those are separate questions. Now, I'm not saying that the, the, the comment was innocent, but I'm just saying what was the opportunity that was missed was 
uh, you're asking about that. Let's t- let's tell me how you feel about that. So it was reported that Harry spoke to William a week after the interview aired. So as a dialogue expert, what's your reaction to that? Do you think that conversation maybe should have happened sooner? Uh, I think that in 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 big celebrity time, a week is not that long. Just like for big executives, right? The big people are busy and all that. So. Um, I don't, uh, sooner would have been fine, I, but they're not in a regular habit of speaking anyway, right? So right. at this point, right, they're, 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 the, the way that they split has meant that they don't talk that frequently. So a week might not be that long, actually, given their schedules and they're on different sides of the, different sides of the world, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, that, I think that the issue, though, is how that conversation happened. If it, what would be important to do as a coach, if I was a dialogue coach to them, I would say, before you get into this big press controversy like reconnect on some things that that you that are non-controversial and easy give a time in the conversation to uh reconnect about how things are going each of their families their their memories of their mom what they're planning on doing in july all of that like give give time to reconnect on that to rebuild even the feeling of trust in the moment before you go right to this other conversation Mm -hmm. so that's that's an important thing to do. Yeah. So people are trying to predict what's going to happen next, whether the royal family is going to come up with a statement saying who made the comment and just how they're going to respond. So what do you see happening next? Um, I, I hope, I hope that what happens is, I'm not sure this will happen, because, you know, what, what is, what is the, the queen's thing? Um, don't complain, never. maintain, or is it there's a yes. phrase? What is never, that phrase? What, uh, never complain, never explain. Yeah, never complain, right, right, right. <laughs> so I, I hope that what, I, it would be great, I think it would be really, really great actually if they violated that. Mm-hmm. And then somebody said, you know, there was an inquiry, there, there was a conversation about uh, about Archie's skin tone and it wasn't racist, it, I, we don't, it wasn't racist at all. I hope that they come out with something like that. Now, here's what would happen, right? That'd be processed in the process of big controversy, but ultimately, like I said, every family of people with different hues, even if they're both white, talk about this issue, right? You got somebody from, somebody from Italy married somebody from Sweden, there's gonna be some discussion about um, what's the baby gonna look like, right? So I, I hope that they come out and say, you know, there was a, there was a conversation. It was, uh, there might be some misinterpretation and people need to talk more. Like ultimately, I hope that, I hope that they defend themselves and then, and, but they speak to the need for people to talk to each other directly, which is, of course, uh, of course, it's not shocking that a dialogue coach would say that, right? Because that's what I, that's what I believe is the key to, to everything, is people talking more directly and honestly about what's going on between them. So I hope, I hope that they come out and, defend themselves but that won't be the definitive answer right it, it will have to we as the observers will have to push the press to ask people to go deeper even if they do that but i think i think that's the real opportunity actually definitely some interesting tips that i hope that they they listen to yeah i feel like those are good tips for all of us really <laughs> it's so true nothing is more important than just having a conversation because you never know how somebody feels yeah it's so true all right well moving on to our royal history moment of the week and once again the trooping of the color will not go ahead as normal this year 
Yeah, it's crazy that it's the second year in a row when the Queen's birthday celebration is going to be massively downsized. It will no longer be a parade uh, that goes through the Mall in front of Buckingham Palace. And instead, it's probably going to be similar to last year when they had a smaller scale event at Windsor Castle with the mm -hmm. Queen watching a military ceremony and mm -hmm. not the huge crowds that we're used to. I, I mean, this puts into question whether or not now this, the Diana Memorial statue uh, event is going to go on as planned because, you know, William and Harry were supposed to be there together. Granted, that is a lot smaller scale, so maybe it will go on. But yeah, yeah it seems like a lot of things are still up in the air for this uh, in the next coming months. Yeah, it looks like things are supposed to be opening up again in London because I will remind viewers that we are still in full lockdown in London. You guys like, have been in lockdown since what, November? Pretty much. We had a little break and then back into lockdown right before Christmas. So it's, you know, things are supposed to be sort of coming back. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess they're just playing it safe and not wanting to flip flop on whether these events are going on. Right. So it looks yeah. like it's probably going to be a pretty quiet summer for the Royals. Ugh, all right. Well, before we wrap up, we have to check in on our Royal kids. And questions have been raised about whether or not Harry and Meghan's newest edition will be a U.S. or British citizen. So do we know Archie has dual citizenship, correct or not? I don't know if we know that. Yeah. I think only I think only Harry and Meghan and Archie probably know that right. because you don't just automatically get it even mm -hmm. if your parent is American. So like they would have had to apply for it and I guess it would just be a question of whether they have gone to the trouble of doing the paperwork. And right, everything. yeah. Well, it will be interesting if they want their newest edition to be a dual citizen. Right, yeah. And also, will can you run for president if you're a dual citizen? Right. I know you have to be born in the US, but so Archie cannot run for president. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the new baby probably can. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see. I don't know if they'll ever divulge that information, but um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting to talking point. Yeah, definitely. Well, Molly, thank you so much for running down all things Royals with me as always. Thank you, Christina. All right. For much more on the Royals, head on over to usmagazine.com. Check back every Wednesday on Us Weekly's YouTube channel at 1030 and keep commenting and keep subscribing. We'll see you guys next week.